Hello everyone and welcome to the On The Record podcast presented by the Western Weekender recorded at the studios of Vintage FM. I'm Troy Dodds and in this podcast series I'm joined by special guests who all have such great stories to tell about Penrith and their role in its history. My guest today is Royce Simmons. Royce was a premiership winning player with the Penrith Panthers, the longest serving Panthers NRL coach and now back at the club working behind the scenes. I really hope you enjoy our chat. Royce, welcome to the On The Record podcast. Welcome. Tell me, uh, first question we always ask, uh, where were you born and tell me about your parents? I was um, born in a little, um, well, I was actually born at Cowra because where I was living was a a little town called Canoundra. Uh, And um, obviously back at that time um, to uh, at birth or anything like that, mum had to go across to Cowra. So I was actually born in Cowra, but... Um, I uh, lived in Canandra when I was a, a, a young bloke to about seven or eight. Then my father bought a, uh, a butcher shop down the little place called Goolagong, which was smaller again than Canandra. I suppose about three or 400 people lived at, uh, at Goolagong. And um, so I went down there, as I said, as about the age of eight and went to school there to, to sixth class um, and then had to travel back to Cowra where I was born so I've done the bit of a circle went back to Cowra to do uh, high school where I really started to uh, play rugby league uh, I also played a bit of rugby union for Canoundra as, as well um, so I, I played rugby union uh, in the morning sometimes and slipped across to Cowra and played rugby league in the afternoon so and was that your first introduction to rugby league? I mean, do you remember when you first saw a game, um, started to started to fall in love with the game? Yeah, I, I fell in probably uh, love with the game. I had a cousin called Graham Simmons who played for St George. Now, he, he only played uh, lower grades. Um, uh, played the um, one or two maybe first grade games at St George. He was back when Ian Walsh was playing the game, one of the greats of the game. Uh, he was a hooker, as Ian Walsh was, so we didn't get to play too many first-grade games, but I started to follow St George then. And from the little town I lived in Goolagong, uh, there was a player called Barry Beef who went down to St George and was a very good player for St George, won premiership ship down there with him. And uh, um, so being um, from the little town, obviously I've become a St George supporter. Um, so it was... Uh, um, yeah, something I was real keen on. You know, I had the old, uh, you know, the the cards, the chewing gum pack yep. cards, <laughs> and I had them stuck all over my wall. My mother gave me a bit of a clip under the ear because <laughs> I stuck them all over the walls. And uh, but you know, yeah, I was uh, I was pretty keen on rugby league right from uh, a young age. Obviously, you made the trip to uh, to Sydney to follow your, your rugby league dreams, and you ended up at Penrith in 1980. But as I understand it, it could have been a, a different story because you did trial for a, a couple of other clubs. Yeah, I was. Um, I come down and trial for me, me St George. That there's, uh, you know, as I said, we was the side I was supported, and um, was that the dream to play for the Dragons? Yes, it was. Yeah. yeah, it was. And uh, Barry Beef actually, I think, was coaching the third grade, and he invited me down for a trial. And back then, that was uh, I think about 1978. Um, and I was, I was pretty reasonably young, 18, I think, and I went down and trialled for St George. And that was in the time people wouldn't remember that you, you had you could only have 13 imports, so 13 players come from other clubs. Um, so it was uh, down there at the time, it was pretty tight and pretty hard to to win one of them spots because St George were pretty pretty famous side at the time and going really well. So I, I didn't make that, so I, I come home and uh, played up... Uh, I was I, I played for Cara the year before I went down. Then I come back and I went back to Canoundra and had a year over at Canoundra uh, in rugby league. Then I went back down again to trial, and this time I was invited down um, to trial with Souths. And I come down and I lived at Coogee for about oh, three months, and I uh, trained with South Sydney. and was giving myself every opportunity to uh, try to get graded there. Um, and the first trial I had was a fifth grade game, so that didn't give me a lot of confidence <laughs> when I was trialling in the fifth grade. But you know, uh, I suppose it depends on how you go. And mm. I played that day, and on on that day, um, the coach of Penrith, Len Stacker, actually come down to watch me play. 
Now, he he was recommended by Barry Rushworth, who Barry played with the 1963 Kangaroos, so went away with that great side with, you know, all, all the greats, Langlands, Fulton, and the you know, list goes on, you know. So so he was a, a, a tremendous player, played for Parramatta and went away on that famous tour. And, um, and at the time, he was uh, captain coach of Lithgow Workmen's Club uh, rugby league side and, and Cara used to play against them up in that area. So he got to see me play as a young fella and when he ran into Len Stacker, the coach, they were good mates from the Parramatta days. He, uh, Len said, is there any players out in Group 10 that you could recommend? And he said, oh, he said yes, there's one, and it was me. Um, so Len actually come down to, to Souths and watch me trial in that, that game I was talking about, the fifth grade game. And uh, at the end of the game, I think he was pretty happy how I went. So he, he come around, he said to me, uh, introduced himself and, and said, Royce, would you like to come out and have a trial with Penrith next week? And I said, aren't you just playing tomorrow? Because, you know, obviously I follow the footy and all mm. that rugby league closely again, even they, though they were down there with South. So I said, I'm pretty sure you got a trial on tomorrow. I said, I'll come out tomorrow. And he said, well, you, you just play now. You can't trial tomorrow. And I said, yeah, yeah, I can. I'll, I'll come out tomorrow, <laughs> you know. So I travelled out tomorrow and and, um, and then um, Penrith were, were playing the, the Bulldogs and... Uh, um, so I played in a second grade game that day and played a full game. And at the end of the the second grade game, Len asked me to sit on the bench for first grade. Now it was a big thing, you know, coming from the yeah. from the bush to s- sit on the the bench for first grade. And in the last ten minutes, I went on and played against the current Australian hooker George Paponis. So I got the last ten minutes against against him. And at the end of the game, Len said, "Well, we'd like to sign you." And um, so I agreed sort of straight away. And, um, um, but then Len had a bit of trouble because then he, uh, he went back to the, the board and said, could he have another $4,000? It was a big contract. <laughs> I said, could he have another $4,000 to sign this young bloke from up Carraway? And uh, they said no. So, uh, so it was about uh, three or four weeks before Len uh, eventually talked uh, Penrith into signing me, so um, so yeah, so that's what ended up happening. So I really, you know, I, I trialed for Saints and didn't make it. I was trialed for Souths and I don't think I was going to make it. Then I was trialing for Penrith, and at one stage they looked yeah. like they weren't going to give me the money. So I, I just would have went back to the, the bush. At this stage, you know, I'm 20 year old, so I would have mm. went back to the bush and would never have played first grade football. So. Um, you know, Barry Rushworth and Len Stacker uh, were, uh, you know, really give me an opportunity. I stay in contact with both of them because they're, they're good people, but they really give me an opportunity down in Sydney that I, would, I think I would have missed if it wasn't for them two people. For a boy from the, the bush, as you say, what was it like to, uh, to live in, in Sydney in those days? Was it, a, was it a hard adjustment for you, given that you'd come from such small areas? Yeah, it was. Well, as I said, I went down to uh, Coogee for a yeah. while and that was, you know, just like, you know, living down there and I'm not much of a – you can't say I'm a surfy. Like, I never, <laughs> I, I don't walk on sand. I don't go near salt water. I, I don't mind watching it from, a, you know, from a couple of hundred yards, but I'm not, not keen on all of that. So, And the lifestyle in Sydney, well, you know, it was a hundred times quicker than what I was used to. But when I moved back out to Penrith, I – Actually, you know, going back 1980, Penrith was nothing like the size it is now, and mm. I, I felt quite comfortable at Penrith. And I, um, you know, when I sort of fitted in well with the people of Penrith, uh, so it made made me feel welcome straight away. So the the, the Penrith part was easy easy adjustment. Um, um, you know, like a, a long way from Goolagong, 200 people, but still, Penrith was still very much country country back then and that's how the people were and and the people still are a little bit that way they're you know they're still uh, uh, always very polite and kind kind to me um i, I really enjoy living here yeah so you got your four thousand uh, dollar contract mm. in that in that first year can you still remember your first grade debut yeah yeah i do uh, um it was about three quarters of the way through the year um we're having a tough year uh, at penrith at the time um I mean, you know, Penrith was a very 
probably aggressive side and, and uh, a lot of tough, hard players, but we probably lacked real genuine pace to compete against them real good sides back then. Um, but, you know, we, we had a, everyone had to go every week and, uh, you know, try to do their best. And my particular game was against last year grand finalist St George. So it was a big, big game. I remember um, Jim Jones, who was a current first grade hooker at the time, he was out injured. And, and Len decided to give me the opportunity. And I was playing against this side I adored, mm. you know, and uh, yeah, um, going back only, you know, 12 months before. And I remember the day of the game, mum and dad come down to watch. And uh, I remember I said, look, I'm going to walk to the, the game. I didn't live too far away in Leftbridge Street. So I walked down there just because I was nervous as hell. And I I, um, I went into the, the game and... Uh, we we played fantastic this day against St George and we we had them we led with about two minutes to go and you wouldn't believe it Craig Young one of the best front rowers mm. ever to play the game actually took an intercept a pass went wow. wide he grabbed it and gave it to Brian Johnson who run from one end of the field to the other to score under the post and kicked the goal to beat us by a couple of points um, so it was uh, um, yeah so it was. You know, it was good to be. You know, I was happy with me first game, but uh, to be so close to beat last year's premiers, uh, you know, was pretty disappointing in the end. Uh, you know, the see a bloke run 100 yards to beat you in the nine seconds. Absolutely. Um, during the 1980s, Penrith were obviously starting to emerge as a as a quality team. Obviously, uh, the, the the 70s weren't so nice, and we know what happened um, in, in the 90s, which we'll get to in a moment. But during the 80s, the side's starting to emerge, and and Royce, you become the first. Penrith player to represent Australia. That must be quite an incredible honour. Yeah, it was good. Um, I'm very proud to be the first uh, player to play for Australia from from the Penrith area. Um, that year, and we're going to talk state, state of origin later, but we, we actually won the State of Origin 3-0 um, that year and... and um, so when the I remember after the third state of origin they picked the Australian side that were going to play New Zealand in a three match test test series. So um, you know with us winning winning I was very hopeful that I might make the side and which which I did. But um, remember the, the state of origin side was all together and we're waiting for the test side to come through and it come through and the whole pack of forwards actually made the mm. made the made the test side. So. Um, it, you know, so as I said, it was great to break through and be the first Penrith player to do it. And I think that'd give a lot of confidence to the players that quickly followed. And the next one was Greg, who got picked on the Kangaroo Tour. And that that followed quickly to blokes like, you know, MG and, and Cardi and uh, um, Brad Fittler. They quickly, you know, followed. And I think it was just, you know, I think... A lot of them blokes were, were playing with me and they, they said, well, you know, if, if Simo can do it, you know, that little five-foot-two dwarf can do it, <laughs> um, you know, um, surely we can. So it was, it was, you know, it was good that them boys quickly followed and, and that was the start of, um, you know, that of getting some confidence and learning from tours and all that sort of thing that led to... Um, you know, probably that grand final win quite a f- few years later, but uh, yeah, it was fantastic to be the first one just to break the ice, and and it was a. It's changed a little bit now. I think a lot of people play the play state of origin and play, um, and, and you know, for Queensland or New South Wales. But um, back in my in my time, it was your big goal from ever it was was to play for your country. You know, the the where you're green and gold and. It was a very, you know, when I remember getting picked that night, that was, you know, unreal. The, when the hairs on the back of your neck stand up and you're just that proud of, uh, you know, being given a chance to represent your country, that was, uh, you know, something I'll, I'll certainly never forget. Touring with the Kangaroos in, in 1986, um, only six or seven years earlier, you're, you're still in Goolagong. Um, it, it's, a, it's a big jump. Was that was that your first big overseas trip uh, as part of footy, or had you been overseas before? I'd, I'd only no, not real, no, um, not not to play footy. You know, I'd been overseas, you know, for 
you know, for a couple of other things, but only for a quick holiday or whatever. Mm. But, um, you know, it was... But And, and I'd been... Obviously, I played a test overseas against the Kiwis back in 1986 as, as well. We went over there and um, played a test match. Um, but to, um, you know, to, to go to England, you know, I, you know, you go back to when I was a kid, seven or eight, Dad would wake you up in the middle of the night and he'd say, Australia's playing England, come out and watch. And I used to watch and they'd... I remember the straw being over the fields try to stop it from freezing, you know, and they'd, <laughs> they'd push all the straw off and, uh, you know, then the fields would be there and I'd watch, you know, as I said earlier, the, you know, Graham Langlands and all them sort of people play test and you'd sit up all, you know, all night to watch it and it was just... Um, so they'd actually go over and, uh, you know, um, we went over and we... I think our first game of the 86 Kangaroo was playing against... A very good Wigan side. We played them on their own home ground. We'd only been there, you know, three or four days, and, and it was a, a a game we led quite easily. And then back end of the game, we were getting a little bit tired, and they they scored a few points to to make it an interesting sort of game. But from that moment onwards, we sort of took control of of that '86 tour. And I remember playing at um, the first test. It was Old Trafford, Manchester. Um, at the time, I think it was a, a, a record for England um, crowd. I think there was something like fifty odd thousand turn up, yeah. and all the all the pommies uh, and in this beautiful, you know, Old Trafford, great stadium, mm. really built for watching, you know, good sport and whether it's soccer or rugby league. Um, so the crowd was close. Then all of a sudden, they would start singing you know, their national anthem and they'd have the Pommy songs and they had the whole grandstand chanting and we had about four or 500 Aussies watching compared to, you know, all the Pommies singing and chanting and I, I remember them standing over and a few of them were pointing and, uh, you know, telling us what they were going to do to us and all this sort of thing that uh, um, was a pretty hot side I was, I was lucky enough to play for. So um, we went on and won that, won that quite comfortably and and then finished we went right through that entire tour undefeated you know so it was uh it was it was a great effort and uh funny thing about that that um tour you know the the first grade side was a you know a fantastic side like it it had uh you know it was i think gary jack was fullback and michael o'connor on one one wing and uh Les, oh, Dale Shearer on the other, um, then Gene Miles was one of the centres with Brett Kenny. I mean, Mal Meninga couldn't make the starting lineup. You mm. know, incredible uh, team. Yeah. Five eight, Wally Lewis, Peter Sterling, then me and Blocker Roach and Greg Dowling and Crusher Cleal and you know and um, and um, well. You know, and Bob Linder, and like it was just a real good side. But if you went and looked at the second side, you had Gary Belcher, you know, Mal Meninga, mm. Chris Mortimer, Des Hasler, Greg Alexander. Um, uh, you know, Terry Lamb was on the bench for the test side, but he played in that side as well. Um, and uh, Ben Elias, uh, you know, Paul Siren, and, and the list just went on. Yeah. And I wonder this day. If the first side played the second, I'm not quite sure who would have won. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it was just it was just a fantastic uh, side yeah, to, one, to, to go yeah. away, and it was, uh, yeah, the, the um, you know it, it was was a really good tour. Met a lot of you know playing with blokes like you know Wally Lewis and Peter Sterling, and you know it was and, and made a lot of good friends. They're still good friends today, and uh, you know I, I pinched myself that you know I was lucky enough to. To, to go away on that tour. Yeah, a wonderful era for, for Australia. What about Origin? You played 10 games between uh, 1984 and, and 1988. They were the, the birth years of State of Origin, uh, I guess, and uh, a really tough period of State of Origin, no doubt about that. What was the experience like playing for the Blues? Um, yeah, well, I originally made the side in 1984, and um, uh, my first game was game two at the cricket ground 
in just about three inches of water and mud. Uh, and uh, it was the day that you, people would probably remember Noel Clure went to do the dropout and it landed, mm. the ball landed in that much water, it didn't bounce back up. <laughs> so he, he he missed the hitting the ball, so that was a penalty under the post, you know. And, uh, and they, you know, uh, but that was my first game. And um, I remember going to the game and Steve Roach was looking at me and, and he said, are you nervous? I said, oh, mate, <laughs> I am petrified. Like, I'm that nervous, you know. And not nervous of getting hurt or anything, but just nervous, you know, are you good enough to be in that mm. situation? Uh, you know, uh, you know self, are you going to play good? Yeah, yeah, you, you, you haven't played there yet, so you're not quite sure. But um, we got beaten that night. It was That was Ray Price's last uh, State of Origin game. And we could have quite easily won, but we... We got beaten as a, you know, we led at different stages, but it was a, you know, but after that game, you know, um, then we went up and played the, the third game up at uh, Queensland, which we, we won, but they took the series um, two games to one. So, um, and the following year, actually, I, I didn't get picked for State of Origin because um, I wasn't playing a traditional role at Penrith as in, as a hooker. It was, it was uh, in the years where... Um, a lot of the young blokes come through, Greg Alexander and all that generation, mm. you know. And Tim had me playing a little bit out off the ruck a fair bit earlier in the year. And and um, so I, I wasn't playing a traditional hook, hooker's role. I'm not saying I would have got picked anyway, but um, but I didn't get picked because that's what I was doing. And Benny Elias actually played that year and he had a really good series. And... and um, and that was 85 when I think they won it 2-1. Um, but I, I got a bit of struck of luck that Ben was injured in game one the following year uh, and I got a, an, op, an opportunity to get back into the side and um, um, that was a year we won 3-0. And uh, I, I got pretty heavily concussed in concussion in game one of that series and... Uh, um, I, I tried to make a tackle and just got my head in the wrong place and it, and I couldn't get up and I knew where I was and I knew what was happening which was strange when normally when you get knocked out you don't mm. remember anything or know anything but on this occasion I, I knew where I was and I knew I had to get up and get back into the, into the defensive line because you know, State of Orange is that quick and you can't afford to not have people in the defensive line you know? and I knew I had to get up and I got up, but I got up slowly and I couldn't get me balance and I walked about three steps and fell straight back on my face and I couldn't even put my hands out. I couldn't even to, to stop the fall. I, I couldn't. I just wasn't in control of my body. And then I got up the second time and the, and the Queenslanders were all going, ooh, and they'd go like that. And when I'd fall, they'd all yell out, scream, hey. Well, I did that three times before I actually could get back in the line. And I remember looking across and I could see Terry Lamb sit, getting up and he was starting to warm up because, you know, it got to the stage, well, they were going to replace me because I, I couldn't. Mm. But I stopped looking over there and I just stayed in the game and I and I got me balance and um, I ended up uh, being able to um, finish the game. And on, <laughs> No HIA and, in those days. Yeah, no, no, <laughs> no. And, and being a hooker... You didn't have a specialised hooker on the bench. So if Terry Lamb comes on, he doesn't win any ball. Mm. You know, Greg can actually beat him every scrum. That's what would have happened. Yeah. So, because uh, you had to, as everyone, the older people know, you had to win the ball back in them days and it was a specialist position. So um, I knew it was very important. I had to stay out stay out there. So I got me balance. I was, um, I was lucky enough. I ended up scoring a try in that game at a pretty crucial stage and... And I was, was lucky enough to get the man of the match in that that game one, so that secured me place for game two, and and we won game two, and then we won game three, and as I said earlier, and we're lucky enough then for the whole pack of forwards to get picked for um, to play for Australia out of that. So it was a it was you know right now we're not winning too many state of origin, <laughs> so it's uh, it was a good a good part of uh, New South Wales history that three 0 win. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And and can I just say, honestly, we we won three nil, 
and the games are that close that mm. we we could have got beaten three yeah. nil. Yeah. The following year, uh, the following year we got beaten two one, and we could have easily won three nil. Yeah. Like we did. The, the games are that close, and that you know it was a it was a real strong period where, as as we said, all them kangaroos uh, come together to form mm. that one side because that's just how strong Origin was that particular few years. There's no doubt that that's where Origin got its reputation as well through through the 80s. There, you you obviously at that stage you're you're very much established in first grade. You, you've got Australian honours, you've got New South Wales honours, um, hundreds of games for the Panthers, but still no premiership as your career starts to wind down. And we get to 1990. Um, Penrith made the grand final that year. In many ways, did you think that was your last chance? No, not. I think a lot of other people thought that, but I never thought that. Uh, you know, I um, nineteen ninety was um, you know a year where and all this building for years and years. You know, where we gradually got a bit better and a bit better, and players got, um, as I said earlier on, got more rep time, so they got more confidence and they got more games under their their belt. You know, the likes of, you know, Steve Carter and Brandy and Brad Fittler and all them blokes got some more time. So we we built uh, a really strong side up that, you know, that made a grand final. And I, I, I just, you know, from one year to the other, you could see some changes, how we built up a little bit better. But the first year, I don't think we probably handled it that well the grand final you know we we had a bit of a parade up the main street you know and mm. that was before we won it not after we won it yep. we had a bit of a parade and I and I probably we all all probably got a little bit ahead of ourselves and uh on on the on the day um you know we on the day we just weren't good enough they um Ricky Stewart really had the ball on a string that day and probably kicked us to death a little bit and uh um you know they and they were a a champion side. They were probably the best, you know, club side of the of that period where they won a lot of premierships and they were a good side. And to, and we'll talk about the ninety one grand final later. But to beat them in the in the grand final in ninety one, we actually beat the side. You know we, you know when you mm. win win a grand final and you beat, you know the second best side in the competition, you you beat them. That's when you deserve to get it, you know. Yeah. A, a little remembered fact from a, the 1990 grand final is that that game was actually delayed by about 40 minutes because one of the lower grades, um, there was a draw. And in, in those days, they, I guess, didn't imagine that that was going to happen and there was a lot of extra time. And I guess mm. for a for a young and emerging side in its first grand final, that, that probably would have rattled you as well. Do you remember that? Yeah, I do remember it. And I, I, I don't think that did us any favours. Mm. No, I don't think it did us any favours. And, uh, like, I don't think it... You know, probably affected a few of the senior players because you were always going out. But some of the younger players, you know, you know, they just wanted to get out there. They just want to play and building up and building up. And all of a sudden, you're not going out. It's mm-hmm. you know, it uh, um, senior players will handle it, but some of the younger players would find that difficult. We get to 1991, and if 1990 wasn't your last chance, 1991 was, and it's. Uh, a fairy tale that we all know very well. Um, you score two tries in what is your final game, the grand final, um, two really memorable tries as well. Um, You've said before that the feeling was was often one of relief for you in you know to to get that premiership in your in your last game in in ninety one. Um, is, is that right? How, how did you feel? Yeah, well, um, see, so at the start of the year, um, I. Um, we were up at Darwin, I think it was. Um, I'm not, just not quite sure where it was. Our memory's not as good as it was. But anyway, I did my um, ankle early that year, um, pretty bad. And the following week, we had quite a few injuries. Um, so I decided to play again. And it made the ankle a lot, lot worse. So I missed... A, a lot of football through, you know, at, at the time, you know, the treatment's not like it is now. You would have been put mm. in a boot and everything and all that. Um, and I, I think I missed about six to eight weeks. Then I, I come back uh, 
in a second grade game to see how it was going to go and uh, I re I did it again and I was out for weeks and weeks again. I didn't play many games that particular year. I think I only played about, uh, you know, um, not quite sure. I think maybe 11 first okay, grade yeah. games. I'm not quite sure about that, but I'm, I'm, I'm guessing that a bit. But I I didn't didn't play that, as I said, that many games. But um, And what happened... Uh, when I did come back, the first grade side was going really well. I come back at the back end of the season with about a month of the competition to go, and I come back and um, and obviously I couldn't get back into first grade because well I didn't have any football under my belt for a start, and two the side was winning every week. Mm. So um, so I think I had about three games in three or four games in um, reserve grade, um, and and then I remember I think playing. Uh, second last game, I think I was down in. I was down in. Um, uh, we played down in Sydney somewhere, and I I come back to catch up with my old mate Chris Mortimer, who played with us the earlier year before in the grand final, and he'd retired by then. I went back to his place, and we had a few beers after the game, and uh, he said, uh, "You got next week to go." Then, and I said, "Oh, mate, well I'm playing next week, and that's." Virtually fall over for me, you know. I play in that game, finish my career off in in reserve grade, which is unfortunate. Um, mm. But that's just how it was, you know. Uh, and um, and I, on our way home next day, I was driving home, and I and I used to get up every every morning and go for a run, um, which is what I used to do, and uh, so. I got home and the wife woke me up next morning and she said, time for you to get up and go for your run. I said, no, nah, no run today. I said, it's all over. I finish next next Sunday um, in reserve grade and she gave me a gobful. She said, you <laughs> weak bludger, I've never seen you like that. You get up and you go for a run. Anyway, so I got up and went for a run. Then went to training that night and uh, um, Gus said, uh, righto, we're... we're this is the side we're playing at. Um, we're playing uh, Balmain. Was at the time we're playing Balmain at Penrith Park. It's going to be uh, Simo's last game, and he's going to lead us out onto the field for the last game. So he's picked back in first grade for this this game. And I went, oh God, huh. you know, think well, shock horror. Then he he um, yeah so. That happened. Then he got me on my own later on, and he said, "And you'll be in the side right through to the till we win the grand final." So that gave me a lot of, you know, again, that's good confidence for you, you oh, know. Yeah. So um, it's almost a forgotten story of 1991 yeah, yeah. when the, the story of the grand yeah, final well, gets told that you were yeah. you were weeks away from just finishing your days yeah, away from finishing yeah, your career in reserve grade. Yeah, and uh, and. Um, I was fit because I'd, I'd, I'd be still training hard and hoping I'd get back, you know, because I had that month period. And uh, and anyway, we played it. Um, we played that that day at um, at Penrith Park, and it was my uh, final game, and a game I remember forever. I couldn't believe the the crowd. It was just everyone come because it was my last game, and uh, I even. Bus loads. I couldn't believe a couple of buses even come from Newcastle. We weren't even playing Newcastle. <laughs> People come down from all over the place to watch me, my last game. And uh, I remember doing a, a lap of honour after the the last game because uh, you know, and that was that was unbelievable feeling. It was so good to, to get all that going into your, to the semi-finals the the week after. You know, so. Um, yeah, so that's started. That was a good way to finish the, the, the season proper. Um, as I said, I think, as I said, I think I only played about eleven games that year. But I think most of the games, and it's just luck. I think, I think most of the games I played in that year, we won. Mm. But that's just, you know, I don't know why any difference about it because I, because um, a lot of them games I was playing a little bit injured and whatever. So I don't think it was my presence but it's just a bit of luck for that year I think the luck never stopped all mm. year I think and uh, so then we, we went into the semi-finals and grand final day 1991 uh, 
have to be one of the, the great days of your life um, still today. Uh, an incredible day and two, two tries. Um, where did that come from? Uh, well, I don't know because I hadn't scored one all year. <laughs> I think my whole career I only scored about 18 and most of them were scored in my first couple of years when I was a fair bit quicker. Uh, I got a bit of a groin injury early in my career that took a bit of pace. Of, not that I was a speedster, but I was reasonably quick, quickish for a, a forward. And I got a bit of a groin injury that just took a little bit of pace. So most of the tries I did score were all scored 82, 83 mm. back in that time. So I had a bit of a dry run <laughs> after that. And uh, I remember we were... We were down in Ramwick, and we got up that morning, you know, um, we're sitting around having a bit of brekkie and a bit of a talk, you know, and all that, and something come, we listened to the radio, and the thing come over, and they said, there's never been a hooker score two tries in a grand final. And Gus looked at me, and said, and that won't change the day, will it? <laughs> he said, that won't change the day. Well, well he's really well, wrong, but yeah, he was that day. It <laughs> was that day, yeah, well, I... I didn't argue with him, put it that way. I didn't argue. I was uh, sort of in agreement with him. Um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, that, that uh, yeah, was fantastic. Like, uh, I remember, you know, like scoring the, the first try and I, um, but the second try was just, uh, we, you know, we had the, they were going for a short dropout because mm. they wanted the, the ball back. And I was only running around, running over to help MG. MG was running onto the ball, but I and then they had about five or six of them charging onto the ball, and and I'm thinking, well, I've got to get over there and make a tackle. If MG, if MG don't get the ball, one of them are going to get a ball, and we've got to make a tackle. Yeah. So I was running there to, to make a tackle. I wasn't running there to score a try. Yeah. I was running there to make a tackle. And next thing, MG charged onto it like a mad bull and, and, and got it against all odds because they had quite a few of them charging onto the ball. And he, he he got the ball and then I just ended up on the outside of him and he passed me the ball, and which which scored the, the try. Um, but we still weren't we still weren't past the post. I remember taking all the boys back that, to the centre and saying, look, if Brandy doesn't kick this gold, we mm. still... They'll go for a short dropout again, and if they score and kick, we can still lose the game. Mm. So we've got to. But uh, Brandy knocked 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 it over, um, which he was going to do that day. You know, a lot of people say to me, I um, people say, "Oh, you should have been the, the player of the match and all that." And uh, but Greg Alexander was the player of the match. He was fantastic that day. He he his kicking game was outstanding, and his leadership around the steer us around the park and he he was you know he was fantastic um and uh you know and and as you said that after that game i remember sitting in the bus going back to panthers and our old mate chris mortimer who played as i said earlier played with us the previous year he come and joined us on the bus and he said to me you don't seem that excited and i said Mate, I'm just relieved. I'm relieved <laughs> that in my final game, mm. uh, you know, only a month ago, it didn't even look like I'd be in the squad. I said, we've, you know, we've, um, and, and in my last game, there's no more tomorrow, there's never to play again. In my last game, you win a grand final. Uh, and as you said earlier, you know, you, you know, I'd been captain of Penrith for a lot of years and uh, I was lucky enough to play for the state and, Pinched myself. I was played for Australia, um, but if you've done all them things, and you know you're talking to your grandson or something one day, and and he says, "Oh, and pop, and how many grand finals did you win?" And you say, "Well, none, mate." You know, and and a lot of better players than me um, haven't won grand finals, and it must be, um, you know, must be something, you know, that sort of little spot that just misses when you. You know, when you're talking to your grandkids or whatever, and uh, thank God on that final day that um, in, me, in me last game that I was, I was lucky enough to. Uh, well, not lucky. We we worked hard for a lot of years to get mm. there, and it was and not not just me, but all the you know all, all the boys that over the years that, that and the ones who didn't even get to play in the grand final that helped mm. build us towards that tradition. Yeah, you know, 
it was a it was a good thing. It was it was tra- fantastic going around the ground after the game and seeing blokes that I played with in the bush. Yep. And they'd all come down from Cowra, Canounder oh, and them yeah. places, or to see older players that you played with in your early days. And that was their bit of grand final mm. victory for them. Absolutely. So it was fantastic. Nothing uh, nothing can ever take away the fact that, that that's called one Penrith first. You can never never win the first premiership uh, again. So uh, an incredible experience that, um, that obviously put Penrith on the map as a, as a city in many ways as well. For you, though, you almost immediately moved into coaching, first with St Mary's and then to England. Now, that sort of suggests that at the back end of your career you were thinking about coaching or, or did, it, did it happen out of the blue? Um, no, no, I always thought I'd wanted to coach because I'd been captain for a long time. So, um, uh, so I went St Mary's, um, give me a job, uh, which was fantastic. They give me an opportunity. And I was really enjoying my time working down there with that really good club. Uh, and um, I was joining it. Then all of a sudden I got an offer to go to England. And uh, I thought this is a good opportunity, you know, to go across and, you know, um, work with, you know, players that represented their country, whatever. And it's in the first grade stand in English, England and I went to St Mary's and I said, look, boys, I'm, I'm sorry to do this, but um, would you give me a release to, to go? And, and they said, of course we will, Royce. And I said, that's what we're all about. We're all about making you know players better and coaches better so they can go to the next level. And they, they, they were fantastic and they let me go across to, um, to, to England uh, to join up with... Hull, which Hull FC, which is history, was fantastic. You know, they've won a lot of over the years. They've won a lot of a um, lot of silverware, as they call it, over there. Uh, and uh, to get to go over there and work, but they'd, they'd had a couple of tough years before um, a tough year the year before. I think they just missed relegation by um, a point. I think they're all they're all equal, but for and against. Wow, so, okay. so I went over there, and at the time they were. Financially, they were in a, a bit of, you know, in a had some problems, so it was it was pretty hard to make your side any any stronger. But uh, I went over there and had a couple of two years over there and really enjoyed it. I we 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 went okay. We got from uh, you know down the bottom of the comp and we just missed the playoffs in the two years I was there and um, it was really good experience and, and you had to, of course over there. Your budget wasn't what it here is here in Australia. So, I was you were you were coach, you were uh, fitness man, you were sprint coach, you were the, <laughs> you were everything, and you you had um, you had a a part time um, or you had a sorry a physio with you, and you had a part time uh, assistant. Assistant coach who was part time, who was a school teacher when he wasn't. So yeah. it was just virtually you're on your own. So I used to do things like contact, say Tim Sheens, one of my old me and Tim have always got on good for years, and he he was at the time still working for the Canberra Raiders. So I'd I'd contact him and say, mate, if you got any weight programs, you can send me over. So he'd send me over weight programs. You got any fitness programs I can get? And obviously he had people that were professionals in that thing where I was over there on my own. So he'd send me stuff over and uh, and I'd try to put it into practice. But um, So it was a real good learn. You, you learnt, it was a good learning experience as far as you were doing everything. You got to appreciate what, you know, every little part of the the game was and how important it was to have good people in them positions, you know. so And I really enjoyed a couple of years there and they t- tried to resign me for another couple of years. But at the time, I had a... A business back here, um, and at the it wasn't going real well because um, obviously if, if the boss is you know mm. <laughs> twenty four hours away, it wasn't <laughs> ideal. So I had a restaurant over here, so I had to come back. And um, unfortunately, I would have really liked to have stayed for another couple of years, but I just had to come back. So it sort of um, you know I think another couple of years over there would have been good for me. And as it turns out, um, you know, midway through the 1994 season, you end up 
starting a, a big stint as, as coach of your beloved Panthers. And yeah. looking back on it, it's um, it's quite remarkable, actually, what you would have had to deal with there in that the club was still recovering from the, the tragic death of Ben Alexander. You had to coach players who you once played with only a few yeah. years earlier and the Super League war was emerging. So yeah. tough era to, to start coaching the Panthers. Yeah, it was. If I had me time again, I probably wouldn't have done it. Um because it was, as you said, I, I, um, I, I probably hadn't done a, a long enough apprenticeship. Or, you know, like, uh, you know, I would have loved to have come back and worked under, like, someone like, I ended up working under Tim Shearns for quite a few mm, years, like the Tigers, down the Tigers. Yeah. So I would have loved to have come back and had, say, another couple of years apprenticeship under, under, um, under the Tim. But the job was there and, you know... You know, I couldn't think nothing better than to, you know, try to help um, Penrith out in that time. And uh, and um, but it, it did. It was hard. It was hard coaching players that you played with. That mm. was really hard. And it was and it was also the biggest problem I had through that period was Super League, um, Super League come together and. Uh, we were we we're in Super League, and I, I think the salary cap was 1.8 million. It used to be for um, for the NRL or the yeah, Australian NRL, Rugby yeah. League. Well, I think it was 1.8, and in one night we went to I think six million or something, mm-hmm. and then uh, and I lost in that time. I lost Brad Fittler to um, he stayed with the. Australian Rugby League. Mm. I lost him and, and and probably our other exciting player, Matt Singh. Mm. Brilliant, brilliant centre. So I lost two of my best players. Well, one is one of Brad Fittler, mm. I think, is, you know, close to one of the best players I've ever ever seen, you know. So, and, and, and losing them and then had to reduce from a, I don't know, from six million or something. I, I can't remember now, but to reduce back to something like 4.8 million. So you've lost your two best players and then the next few years you can't buy anyone because you've got to get back to 4.8. So I'd actually, so as I said, we've we've gone from spending 1.8 and now we've got to get up to 6 million. Now we're going to get back to 4.8 and I've lost your two best players. So that, that become a pretty tough period. Um, to, to try to rebuild your side and um, and uh, you know keep going better. So I had good staff under me like uh, Colin Vandervoort and uh, Johnny Cartwright, Peter Kelly. So we really worked hard on their junior base, and we did that. Reg, you know, over all the years was there. Like we'd always bring one week we'd bring the under the SG ball side up to train with the first graders of a Tuesday night. Next week we'd bring the you know, the, the jersey flag up, and the next year we'd bring down to 20. So the boys, were, they're always mixing with the first graders, and and it, it's not a short-term thing, but it's a long-term thing to get them boys to start to become better players week by week and so on. And uh, and and we did create a lot of good local boys, and I think, and if you look back at history at Penrith, when we have won premierships, it's, always, it's been a lot of local boys in the Absolutely, side, and I yeah. think... You know, and today I think Jim Jones still does a, a gr- great job down there with the, um, you know, with the, the juniors, making sure that, uh, you know, the young boys are all um, coming through and keep keep that strength coming through to the first grade side. Despite all of the challenges, you actually become Penrith's longest serving coach um, still still to this day. It may be surpassed one day, but. Uh, it, it all ends in 2001. Do you remember how it ended? Did, did you see it coming? Um, it had been building oh, for a while, or yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we, you know, we didn't, we didn't. I think we got the. It was a bad year for us. We didn't have a, a good year. Um, uh, I was hoping I could get one more year out because I. Uh, it was one of the first years I could actually uh, uh, purchase some players. Mm. You know, in a big way. So we we sort of got back to our budget, and um, you know, we we um, that year we we went and um, signed um, you know Martin Ling and uh, Luke Prittis and uh, 
that, and um, various. We we signed about four or five players that uh, went on to be in the grand final in a couple of years later. Mm. So it was a good period where we could bring some players that were needed from other cl- clubs to strengthen up a couple of positions where Craig Gow could go back to sort of halfback at the time and Luke Pritchett come into hooker and Martin Lang was there and and we and we purchased another couple of players as well that strengthened the, the side up and um, so it would have been a good opportunity to, to work with them boys that I'd actually bought but you know but that's rugby league and uh, um, we didn't do well enough the year before and that's that's what happens. Did you feel um, I guess some satisfaction when they won the comp in 2003 given you'd blooded a lot of those players or was there a bit of I guess sadness as well that that, that oh, was, I think was coming. Yeah, no, I think of mixture because uh, a lot of them, them boys, uh, you know, a lot of them young boys, Luke Lewis, you know, Rooney, or the list goes on. Mm. That you you actually bought in the, the first grade and you give them their first game. A lot of them at Yank like Craig Gower, they're only seventeen. Yeah, three or four of them when they first played first grade, there was um, I think Luke Lewis was only seventeen, Luke Rooney was seventeen, and Craig Gower was only seventeen. Um, but they all come through, so it was uh, it was satisfaction. As well, it's great to see all them boys do well because they were they work really hard for me as, as young fellas. And uh, but it was you know of course you think oh god I wish I was still a part of it. But you know um, it was um, uh, you know after the the game John Ling thanked me for the help back then. You know I thought that was. Um, on that day, for him to think of that, that was, mm. you know, um, you know, just goes to show what a good bloke and uh, what a good job he did for Penrith, you know. As you mentioned, you kind of did things in your, in reverse. You then went to the West Tigers uh, as an assistant and, and worked under Tim, which was a, uh, a good little period there. And then, uh, obviously, because the Tigers won the comp in, in 2005. Um, yeah. Good period there with, with the Tigers? Oh, a fantastic time, yeah, because I'd never really seen myself being away... From Penrith, um, you know that's how it was. But when Tim asked me to go down, you know, I thought, well, you know, he's, he's a good opportunity to go down and um, you know learn a fair bit. You know, you never stop learning. It doesn't matter how long you're in the game for. But to go down and work with a bloke like Tim, like he he knows the game backwards and forwards and inside out, and that's about all he talks yeah. about and <laughs> lives for and and all that. So it was a great opportunity to go down there and. Um, you know, Tim said made me the defensive coach, and it was very good to work for. Like uh, I, I come up with how we, you know, a rough plan on how we were going to um, defend that year, and he, he said I'm happy to go with that, Simo. And and I, when I was doing any defensive work, he wouldn't even come out into the park. He had mm-hmm. that much confidence. He showed you that much confidence that he wouldn't even come out and watch. Yeah. He'd, he'd uh, occasionally might walk around, sit in a stand, and watch fifteen minutes or so. But um, so I just become the defensive coach for for um, for a few years there, and uh, and um, in that in that period, we're lucky enough to uh, yeah get to a grand final with a with a side that you know on on paper at the start of the year. No one rated a chance mm. of getting into in, into the semis, let alone winning a grand final. But um, again, with that thing of working with the young blokes like uh, Farrer at the time and Benji Marsh and all them sort of blokes and doing, you know, and, the, and the list went on of Bronson Harrison. They, they all come from a pretty good SG ball side, and, and to get to work with them to improve them, and when you're doing skills and whatever, and seeing them come through, and it was. Yeah, it was really, really rewarding on on the on the day to beat a very good Cowboys side, and uh, you know, so I was very proud to say I was defensive coach of that side, and and uh, it was it was a tremendous win, and uh, uh, really enjoyed the, enjoyed the night, and, and uh, stayed up for a few hours and had a couple <laughs> of beers. And of course, your, your coaching career then takes you back to England for a couple of years with St Helens. Was it not the happiest time there, or, or what was the the time like back in England? No, no, it was no problems there. They just they just made a blue. They got rid of the coach who would have won them a premiership. They just I'm pretty I'm not, I'm really not over happy with how that was all handled. Yeah. I, I I went there um, um, the first year 
I went there was um, uh, was fantastic. Was was great. The boys were a fantastic mob of young men. All wanted to learn. All wanted to get better. Um, just and it was really, really enjoyed my first year and uh, at the club. I went there. And we had some difficult things that year. One was we we never had a home ground for the year. Um, the ground was getting all done up, so we had to play away from home for the whole year. So that's. To, Tough, yeah. to do for a start um, and then um, we had two international halves who were out for the year I think between them they played three or four games um, so at the time I had the two international halves were there and they didn't have any other halves they had a young bloke that was on four or five thousand quid or something um, he's a young bloke hadn't played any first grade um, um, I made him into 5'8 for us. Uh, and there was another young full fullback, um, John uh, Johnny Lomax. He's playing for Great Britain still t- today, playing for St Helens still and uh, plays for Great Britain as well. Um, he was played most of his career at fullback and I made him into a halfback and that's how we went into the first game of the season. Um, and we went through and we had a wonderful year and we... Um, uh, we got to the grand final, um, and we deserved to get to the grand final. And we got there, and we were happy. You know, everyone was, everything was good, and we, and um, we, we, I think we were down eight nil at half time. And you know, we addressed a few things at half time anyway. In the second half, we got back and we led. I think it was sixteen eight, and had the game. We had the game one in my. That's how I was feeling. About twenty minutes left in the game, and I lost. Um, I lost me fullback and captain. A couple of seconds later, I lost um, the centre, and minutes after that, I lost me halfback. So I had backs. You know, the halfback had to go and stand on the wing because I didn't have any other players left. So we had to stand on the wing. I had a couple of second rowers playing in the in the backs so in the final few minutes Leeds you know just took control of the game and won it we just if, if we had lost two or three forwards we, I think we still win the game but um, so that was a great year and, and uh, to this day you know I, I think we deserve to win that grand final but as as happens in grand final things turn and twist and we got beaten and um, second year we um we went out and we we didn't start the year great. Uh, we lost James Graham to to come over to Sydney, which was a big loss for us. Of course, you can imagine him over mm-hmm. there playing for that. Absolutely, so we lost yeah. him. And but um, but we um, we started the second year. I think we'd won won about three out of six or something. But we're always going to get some momentum up. We're always going to come good. We're in a couple of them games. We were very unlucky to lose them a couple of away games. And I had no problems at all, but um, I don't know. I just got pulled in the, the office, and um, the boss at the time, who's, who, who um, just pulled me aside and said, "Well, we're not going good enough. We're going to finish you up," which was uh, really gutted me because uh, the players all come to see me. They they turned up. They had tears, and because we're really strong mob mm. mob of boys, and it was. It was pretty, yeah. It was very disappointing. It really was the hardest thing that's ever happened to me in in footy, and it really took the wind out of me. And because uh, uh, I was, I had no doubt that we would be in the top two or three, and I had no doubt we'd win a comp in the next year or two. No doubt whatsoever. Because especially with the the brilliant young men I had around us, you know, they were champion mob of young blokes, and and they were all disappointed, but. But to be fair to the the chairman, I mean, he pumps millions into the club every year to keep it going. Mm. So, um, but you know, at the end of the day, it doesn't mean they know too much about football. No, um, no, very. So, it's, it's, yeah, it's happened many times. Yeah, too, so uh, it, it, happen, and it happens in England pretty pretty yeah. often. So, um, yeah, I, I probably told an odd person or two to just get their nose out of me business. Let, 
and it probably didn't help neither. <laughs> but anyway, that's how it is. But I, if I had my time again, I'm glad I went there because I met a, a heap of really good young blokes and we had a really good year, year and five or six games, mm. you know. But and and could have quite easily have picked up a picked up a premiership, you know. Now let's fast forward a little bit, and um, suddenly everything old is new again at Penrith. Phil Gould returns, of course, to the club, and and so do you. Um, what is, what is your role these days with the uh, the Penrith Panthers? Yeah, I run a, uh, a thing called a Captain's Club, which is sort of a networking networking club where um, um, you know I've got sixty businesses, and obviously um, on game day we all. We all go to our our boxed area where we we all watch Penrith play every home game and people mix and talk to each other. We get there a couple of hours before the game and stay stay about an hour after the game so everyone communicates and talks to each other and hopefully does some business with each other. Mm-hmm. And then throughout the year we we go on various events, sporting and social. You know we you know we. Like we'll we'll go to you know state of origins. We'll go to Melbourne Cups or Cox Plates or um, you know we, um, and we 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 go on. We mix with the players on various things like harbour cruises. You know we'll have uh, dinner with the with the coach, and he'll show us you know how they're going to play next week's game. And mm-hmm. so we and you know we go to places like Queenstown just to have a. Uh, you know, a bit of a couple of days re- relaxation over there. So, hopefully, the blokes all do um, plenty of um, business with each other. And I, I think it's good when you go away um, for two or three nights. People get to know each other. Get to know, you know. Um, so there's plenty of wheeling and dealing done between the, the people in the in it. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm I'd I that I'd rather be coaching <laughs> but I know that's not going to happen okay. anymore so you, so you still have that desire that desire still oh well I, well the no the thing at St Helens took it all out of me okay. a little bit so yeah. so um yeah I no so but I I don't watch the footy much anymore as in training because yeah. you miss it you know, on, on game days, I'm with my captain's club, so I'm talking and, and mm. mingling with people. Watch so, it in a different way now. Yeah, yeah, I don't watch it like if I if I sat down and watched it like a coach watched it. Yeah, I yeah, and I do miss it. I do miss it, but I, I miss the being competitive. You know, you and that's why I don't, I don't go and play. <laughs> like people say, why don't you go and play bowls or golf yeah, yeah. or anything? Because I know. I become competitive, and I don't. I don't want to do that because, you know, you get to, you know, you get. I just, I can't help not winning. You know what I mean is, I want to win at everything. So sure, I think, yeah, just yeah. stay away from it. Just stay away from it. You uh, know, so. And the other thing that's happening at uh, at Panthers with you now is that there's a, a big development there that, that wears your name, uh, the Royce. Yeah. Tell us, tell us a little bit about that. Well, I'm the ambassador for the Royce, but look, I, I don't know, sort of. Apparently they've done a bit of a um, a survey around town, and the word Royce come up a fair few times. Um, so they they um, they asked me to be the, the ambassador for for the the Royce, and it's it's an over fifty five retirement village, and uh, and and it's it's just in the it's just starting to get built now. All the work underground's is, is starting. It's going to be finished by. 2019 in spring, the first part of it, and uh, um, you know, there's I think there's 133 one betters, two betters, three betters, and with with studies and all all mixture. Mm-hmm. And I've I've gone down and had a look um, um, at a few of their other facilities, and they're they're absolutely. You when you put your name to them, you want to make sure. And I've gone and seen them, and they're they're fantastic places for, and it, it, it's people look at. And it's for people over 55 who want to really enjoy life and get out and, you know, some of them still work and some mm. going around the world. And But it's also a part there at the end when you, um, you know, when, you, when you, you get into the stage where you need a little bit of help, you know, so that facilities are all there too. Um, yeah, so it's, it's uh, yeah, I'm pretty proud to have that, yeah, named after us and, uh, and I'm, um, and I'm, just waiting for it 
you know, they, they get built and go up and move in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm at, well, you got to be over fifty five, and I, I I make that quite easily nowadays. Yeah. Look, uh, fantastic that you're still involved in uh, in Panthers after after all these years back from from nineteen eighty when you when you first arrived here. The the last question we always ask um, in this podcast: How would Roy Simmons like to be remembered? Just as someone that had a go, virtually, like as in, you know, well, as in, if I if I played a game of football, I'd be disappointed if people were saying, "Well, he didn't have a go today," mm. you know, that he didn't try hundred percent. I I just want to be known as a bloke that. Um, for me friends and mates that, you know, just did me best every time I can to, you know, particularly in the football side of it and, uh, you know, and in general life too, I suppose. You want to stick by your mates and friends and all that and uh, I don't want to be noted for too much, too much other than that. (laughs) (laughs) Royce, uh, good luck with the Captain's Club and and the Royce and and everything else that's ahead and uh, thank you very much for joining us today. Thanks for giving us the opportunity. Cheers. There he is, Roy Simmons, the man who famously said he would have a drink with everyone in Penrith after uh, that 1991 grand final win. Don't forget you can listen to other podcasts in this series by visiting westernweekender.com.au slash podcasts. The Western Weekender print edition is out every Friday and don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. We'll see you next time on On The Record.